The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, where every week for over 25 years we've been scouring the earth to find the folks who have the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today we're going to talk about a topic that I know a lot of you are... um, you're doing, some of you are doing it, some of you are struggling with it, some of you want to do it. Seems to be getting to be a hotter and hotter topic as interest rates rise at the bank. <laughs> and as, as hard money lenders start saying things like, well, yeah, we're still loaning money, but now you have to put down 30% and have a killer credit score and, we're only funding deals that are worth over $250,000 and all the other rules that they are very logically making, given the state of the market, the uncertain state of the market. But the thing that kind of gets us all through times like that and that is useful in any market, hot or cold, is private lenders. going to talk today about private lenders and how that works and how to get them. And here to help with this discussion is Mr. Alan Cowgill, who actually hate to reveal either one of our ages here, Alan, but <laughs> yeah. 20 years ago, <laughs> right. I happened yep. to stumble into a an association meeting where Alan was talking about how he was getting money for rehabs, rentals, and he was talking about private lenders, and I didn't even mean to stay for that meeting, and I planted my butt down and started taking notes, and within within a week or two, I had gone out and implemented that because I was, I was just experienced enough to know that this was powerful. I wasn't actually experienced enough to know exactly what I was doing with it, but I knew that what he was talking about was a solution to a bunch of problems uh, in my own business. The key one being that uh, I was new to the real estate business. I didn't have a bunch of money and I didn't have a bunch of credit, <laughs> and uh, but I did have a bunch of deals. So private lenders turned out to be a good solution for me and may turn out to be a good solution for you too. Uh, Alan has been in the real estate business. Am I allowed to say Alan? Like I, yeah, I, I start, ahead. I start getting sensitive <laughs> to people don't want, yeah. people don't want me to, to, to say, Oh, he's been in the business for 30 years, you know, right. cause that, that, yep. that seems like a long time. 
um, started his own career in the uh, rehab business and quickly developed his own kind of little system for getting private lenders and keeping them and keeping them happy and structuring the deals in a way that was win-win and all that stuff. So a really good person to help us out today. So Alan, why don't we, why don't we just start with, let's start with your real estate career. Like how did you, what made you think, gosh, I'm, I'm going to start, I'm going to stop working a nine to five job and start doing real estate instead. Yeah. Well, I was, I was in this nine to five job and uh, I was climbing that corporate ladder and I was successful. I did uh, actually did some acquisitions in Europe for the company and, uh, move some plants and stuff. Um, but along the way, I, uh, I didn't know what to do to get out of the rat race. Uh, my personal life, uh, I was living paycheck to paycheck and I wanted to do something else. Uh, I just didn't know what, but what happened was along the way, <laughs> this might seem a little silly, but I, I saw a TV commercial at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> uh, and I, uh, picked up the phone and I ordered that home study system and it changed my life. I'm guessing changed. I even know whose system that is. Cause I think I ordered yep. the same one for same the two o'clock in the morning. Guy, guy from yep. Florida who has yep. since that's passed it. away. Yes. That's, yep. Uh, that's him. Yep. A lot of, a lot of people can trace their, <laughs> trace their lives yeah. back to that. I mean, that was like in the, what late eighties, early nineties, it was, yeah. I think it was 197 yeah. Yeah. bucks or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, for me, it was the, the mid nineties. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. And, and, uh, yeah, I, the, the folks who, the folks that you see online that are all over, don't pay for education. You can just go out and hustle and learn how to do it that way. And, and everything you want is on the internet for free. Um, you know, that's, everyone's allowed to have their own opinion, but I got to tell you all of the really successful investors I know who like got, got off to a really good clean start, didn't make a ton of mistakes, were able to kind of leverage that into a real consistent business pretty quickly. They all started studying with, by studying with somebody. It wasn't, it, it wasn't, let me, let me go get a book out of the library or let me go on the internet or whatever. It was some kind of, uh, you know, the thing about home study systems is if they're good ones, and I'm not saying that everything out there is a good one, but if they're good ones, they are, they are way more organized in the thought process and like leading you from here, step A to here, step B to here, step C, than trying to get the information piecemeal off of YouTube university or the internet or whatever. So I'm sorry, I got up on my soapbox about. <laughs> no, you're great. I, I appreciate that because um, I believe the foundation of this business is education. And, and so it's one of the things I preach to my, to my students, they've got to get a good foundation because they don't want to get out there and stub their toe on something that they could have, have figured out through education. Yeah, and especially, yeah, especially in real estate where a toe stub can be a five figure or six figure yeah. toe stub. So, um, so, all right. So you got, you got into the real estate business just as a, as a, it was, you know, I'm looking for something else. You, you found, yeah. you happen to see something that looked interesting on TV in the middle of the night. You ordered it and then you did what you needed to do, which was actually implement. There's a lot of people yep. with that course still sitting on their shelf on, you know, in the box. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about the next step that you took, which was, uh, getting into this whole 
recruitment of and working with private lenders thing. Listeners, this is a pre-recorded program because I am out of town this week. And uh, so there's no there's no numbers to call. There's no, uh, you know, you can email in questions and I'll answer them in a later question and answer week. And you do that at askbean at gmail.com. But otherwise, just sit back, hang out, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Mr. Alan Cowgill, Springfield, Ohio, is yep. his home market. And uh, he is also, I should mention, going to be one of the featured speakers at the 2022 National Real Estate Strategy Summit here in Cincinnati, Ohio, on November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. You listeners have been hearing about that for months. If you haven't made your reservation, I don't know why. You should probably go to wmkvfm.org. Check out the special there for listeners and get your seat and get, you know, get it on your calendar, get your travel plans made, uh, because we have a, a wonderful lineup of like, market relevant topics <laughs> this year because we're all we're all sitting around going what's going to happen next but the thing is uh people like Alan, people like Doc Dyke Spotterford, people like Dave Tilney, people like Robin Thompson, trust me, they've seen this market. It doesn't matter what happens next, they've seen it. They, they've just been around long enough to know how to pivot when the market does. So great people to look to for advice on how does all of this work when the market slows down? When heck, when the market grinds to a halt? I don't think anybody's expecting that this in this upcoming uh, softening of the market. But you, you do everything still works. You just got to kind of change your focus and your strategies a little bit. And those pivots are super important. Those pivots either make recessions a time that you look back on and go, man, I made so much money then, or that you look back on and go, man, I wish I had kept investing instead of pulling back because the media was telling me that real estate was might go down in value. You may have to learn that lesson for yourself once, <laughs> but uh, if you don't want to learn that lesson to yourself, get to the summit, wmkvfm.org. So Alan, your, your, your strategy, your real estate strategy when you got started was what? Like what, what, like what kind, what properties were you buying and what were you doing with them? Yeah, I was, uh, first property I bought was a side by side double and I had a uh, real estate investor help me with that. I, I went to a, uh, a meeting where someone was talking about landlording because I focused on, on getting an education. And so I bought that. That was the second home study system that I bought. And this uh, uh, other person, this, this real estate investor that was at that event kind of took me under his wing and helped me through that first property. And we became good friends. Uh, so that, and then I started on, uh, on single family homes and multi, a small multi units like doubles and singles. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I got, I got started out there mm -hmm. and started to grow. So yeah. to buy and hold, or were you, Retailing them. What was your what was your exit game, strategy yeah. there? The game plan initially was to was to buy and hold, just be a landlord and and build wealth that way. Mm -hmm. So later on, uh, I had I moved to where I'd buy, fix, sell, and do a lot of other things. So, um, but that's where I started out. And at that point in time, I borrowed money uh, from banks, and for the first 
two years and went along like that. And then I heard this thing about uh, private money and, and hard money, and I thought they were the same animals. I thought they were the same thing, but they were distinctly different. A, a hard money lender like a bank sets the rules, but I found out that I could set the rules by borrowing money from a private individual. Mm-hmm. And so I went back and, and talked to my mother because she had committed some money that my dad uh, had built up over the years and he passed away. And so she took that money and put it down on a bank certificate of deposit. She was actually very happy with herself because uh, she was doing something to get a, an interest rate, but it was a, a low interest rate, but she would even drive 45 minutes one way just to get a few pennies more on a bank CD. And so I sat down with mom at the kitchen table one day and I said, look, I said, you're getting this poultry low rate of return on a bank CD. I can pay you three, four, five times what you're getting on a bank CD. I'll give you a mortgage, a promissory note, hazard insurance, lender title insurance, same thing that a bank did when you and dad bought your personal residence. And uh, I'll pay you monthly simple, simple interest only because that's what she liked about the CD. They would send her monthly monthly checks on interest. And so uh, uh, she loved the idea, and so she became my first private lender. And that's when I started to learn more about uh, private money lenders. So you started with somebody who was um, going to be sort of naturally inclined to want to help you out on your deals. <laughs> and, yeah, and, yeah. And, Maybe she felt sorry for me. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, you know, they got a great rate of return. And uh, I got to admit, my first private lender was my dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I his terms were a little rough. I mean, when I, when I went to him and said, "Hey, if you got spare cash, why don't you fund to me?" and he said, "Yep, fourteen percent interest." <laughs> Wow. And, and I mean, interest rates were higher back then, but yeah. they weren't that. He just that was that was the rate at which he would loan money, and there was no like uh, daughter discount <laughs> on that fourteen percent. Right. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, mine was fifteen percent. So you beat me by one percent. Percent. Woo! I did good. Yeah, so that, you're right. The rates were high back then, so we had to compete. So one of the things that that folks who know something about private lending and they want to do it uh, really, I mean, they get wrapped around the axle about it is, I, I don't know if I can really sit down in front of somebody that I don't know that well and give them, uh, I, I don't know what better word than a pitch, you know, give them a, here, here's what I want to do. Here's what I would like to pay. Here's what's in it for you. Here's the safeties I put in place. Do you recommend that people start out with folks who are pretty close to them just just to get like used to what questions are going to be asked and and what objections are going to come up yeah no doubt i call it family friends and associates family friends and associates uh that is what i encourage my my students to to focus on is people that they know and uh start working with them and when you talk about your pitch i don't uh i also talk about the posture that i have with my private lenders where i i'm not overbearing or pushy or anything like that. I just tell them what I do and uh, tell them what a nice rate of a return that they can get and let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That overbearing, pushy, salesy, glad handing thing actually doesn't work. That's, that's how everybody thinks they have to be. Like I have to go in and be all slick and yeah, I got to, I got to yeah. drive up in my rented BMW to impress them. And I've got to, but that usually has the opposite effect. This isn't a banker. Who, who maybe is going to be looking at you and going, does this look like a super successful person that our bank wants to work with? These are, these are people who are much more interested in what are they going to get 
than they are in, you know, how, how many deals have you done? How many, you know, it's if you have a bunch of experience, it's good to be able to drop that into the conversation. But you don't want to go in with like, I'm the world's best real estate investor and I've done 500 deals and you should loan to me because it actually turns private lenders off in my experience. Yeah, it's way the wrong direction. To, to go out that way and be pushy on the thing. So I found that, mm-hmm. found that I've never been like that. So it was easy for me to, <laughs> you know, uh, tell people what I do. And I just, I just uh, have a little script where I say uh, to somebody, uh, do you have an IRA or a bank CD that's not currently earning a high rate of return? And then just see what they say and go from there. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. You know, so and not, kind and not pushy. And not, not everyone who you, approach even amongst your friends and family and associates is going to be interested, or at least not right away. Sometimes they're, I've noticed they're not interested when you first talk to them about it, but then when they start hearing from the other members of your family and the other associates, then suddenly they come back and they go, so can we talk about that again? <laughs> now that I've, now that I, now that everybody's, everybody around me is bragging about the rate of return. That's exactly what happens. And what I've found is that people that, that loan private money to us, they go out and they brag about it. They go out and talk about it. And then one private lender will bring you two, two will bring you four. And have you seen that too, Vina? Where Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and actually I was just, I was just talking to Bill Cook, who's uh, another, another speaker at the summit this year. Um, And he has raised effectively all of his private money in this little tiny town in Georgia. Like he doesn't, he doesn't live in a big metropolis like you know Springfield. I guess I, I guess I'm preaching to the choir here. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. And he's 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 basically raised it all in the barber shop, just by telling telling people what he does. And then you know one of them made him alone, and then they were bragging about how he, they you know they were getting the better end of that deal because look at the rate he was paying. And then other people came to him. And um, should listeners look at this as sort of a it, it's an it's an ongoing project. Like I never I never really stop looking for private lenders, even though I've got enough money right now. Yeah, that that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, this is it's an ongoing thing, and and like I said, they'll bring in more lenders, and uh, and you just you build off off of that. So that's exactly right. And you and you you know you you got to have money to fund your deals, and uh, the more money you waller and the more stick to you. So uh, it's better if you can go out and, uh, and just keep doing this and talking to people and seeing where the, the chips fall, where, whether they want to loan money or not, mm-hmm. but, but uh, that's the way it works. And, and if they don't, don't get frustrated because a, again, sometimes they come back later and are very anxious to loan the money. Yeah. And B, every time you practice that, you get a little better at it. Don't look at the don't look at the guy who said no as well. That was a failure. Nope, that was practice session, and I'm right. I'm better next time. Yeah, I've had a guy come back and uh, a year and a half later he loaned me money after we talked. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't do it at first, and a year and a half later, mm-hmm. so uh, that that happens, and it's very important that you just let people know that you're out there and you're uh, you're looking for private money, and they can get a high rate of return, and it's. Uh, it's like a magnet. Mm-hmm. They just start loaning you money. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we come back from this break, we're going to talk about the the sorts of things that you would impress upon potential private lenders in terms of how the deal would be structured, how they would be 
uh, put into a position where they had like double, double, uh, safety. That's not a word you actually want to use with private lenders, but, uh, how, how it's structured so that even if something happens to you, it's very likely they will be paid back. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. This is a special pre-recorded program because sometimes I go out of town and I'm not there on Wednesday and we have to sit down before Wednesday and talk to the folks that I want you to hear from. So uh, if you have any questions about what we're talking about, you can go ahead and send them to askvina at gmail.com. We just won't be answering them on the show today. Talking to Alan Cowgill, who many of you know uh, as a sort of uh, expert on finding setting up deals with, et cetera, private lenders, which I know many of you are very, very interested in. So, Alan, you mentioned, uh, as we were talking earlier, that there are, there are things about these deals that private lenders need to know before they get sort of interested in slash excited about making these loans. And I, I think you said, you know, secured by a piece of property, um, what, what all, oh, you said, you said, uh, lender's policy of title insurance, you said a whole bunch of stuff really fast. Mm -hmm. So if you were talking to me as a potential private lender, and let's assume I don't know anything about private lending, because those are, those are often the folks who are the best potential private lenders, because they're not, they don't have their money loaned out elsewhere. What would you say to me about why this would be a good deal for me? Okay. I'd, I'd say, Vino, what I want you to know is that um, I don't over leverage the property. Uh, you know, a lot of times a bank will let people go at 90, 95% uh, loan to value. I don't do that. I don't go over 70% loan to value. So there's a, 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 you know, grace period in there. Right. And also I'll give you a mortgage, a promissory note, hazard insurance, lender title insurance, and a disclosure. I'll give you those five documents, which, the, the, those are the same documents that the bank does on uh, when you got your personal residence. And so what that does is it puts a, a, a lien against the house where I can't sell the house without you getting paid. So that's the way I structure things. Um, and I, I should tell you, I've had people come in my office and hand me a $110,000 check, and I wouldn't take it because I wanted to make sure that the money was, was uh, handled properly and secured by real estate. So I had them send the money into the closing and we, we close with professional folks out there. Uh, we can use, uh, you know, attorneys here in Ohio. So that or, or title companies and, uh, we go to them and, and have them make sure that the, everything, all the paperwork is handled properly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So here's what I think is a, is a big fear that folks approaching, approaching private lenders have, and, uh, or that this is what they imagine the private lender is going to say to them. What if you don't make the payments? What if they don't make the payments? Well, I've never not made a payment. That's what I tell them. Uh, you know, in all these years, I've always, I've always covered that. And so, um, it's, it's just never happened, you know? Well, but somebody, you, somebody who's approaching a first private lender can't really, you know, claim a perfect payment history because they have zero payment history. Yeah. So true. if the private lender is concerned about that, like what is, what is the private? Okay. So let's say it's not that I 
didn't make the payment. I dropped dead. There is nobody to make the payment. Mm-hmm. What What is the private lender's recourse to get their money back? Yeah, what I do is I say that I've got it set up to where if something happens to me, if I die, I even say this, uh, you know, uh, to a lot of people, is that uh, I've got a family member that will uh, that is set up to uh, pay everything, pay everything off, and get you paid. Uh, there's another way that you can cover things like that is to have an a uh, an insurance policy that is a blanket policy to where if you pass away, then your family gets that money, they can pay off the properties, and everybody gets gets whole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Although, listeners, if you're going to tell people that, you better have that policy. Better have it set up. <laughs> don't, yep. and you better keep paying it. <laughs> don't, 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 yeah. don't be telling people you've got a life insurance policy that's going to pay them off, and then you stop making the payments. You can get into some serious legal trouble by doing something like that. So, uh, the thing I noticed you did not say, Alan, when you were pretending that I was a potential private lender. You did not say, well, you can foreclose on me. It, no, I don't even like put that in their head. <laughs> so why is that? Because, I mean, that is their ultimate, like, if everything else failed, the whole the that, whole backstop that all lenders have, all banks have, that have a secured loan, that's basically a loan scared of a piece of real estate, is that they can take that real estate to whatever the foreclosure is called in their state. Sometimes it's sheriff sale, commissioner sale, trustee sale, and it gets auctioned off. And either somebody pays more than the amount of the loan, in which case they get made whole, or else they credit bid, meaning they can bid up to the amount of their loan and not actually have to pay anything else at the sheriff sale. But you're not even mentioning that to them. Why is that? Well, I just don't want to put something negative in, into their head. I, I'll tell you what I tell my students, though. I, I had a uh, I had a, uh, a student down in in Florida that had uh, three multi million dollar houses, and he got in a pinch. He couldn't he couldn't pay them. And what I told him was, don't have the lender foreclose. Just deed them back the property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that and is- that you know goes back to them. Yep, that is the fair thing to do because most private lenders uh, are not excited by the idea of having to file a lawsuit that they don't understand. And that if they do understand it, I mean, psychologically, these are not people who are in the business of loaning money. These are people who have money that they don't like the returns on right now, or maybe maybe it's in the stock market, they don't like the risk of it at this moment. They're not. They're not like, you know, sophisticated, savvy real estate investors are going, you know what I want? I want that house back. I hope he stops making payments so I can get that house. And from their perspective, like foreclosing is bad, right? You, my neighbor got foreclosed on. That was bad. For, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that to somebody. So right. you can always give them a deed in lieu of foreclosure if they will accept it. Um, it saves them a lot of time, money, hassle, grief, to do that, and that is the right thing to do if you find yourself in a pinch, as Alan said. So let's talk about the other thing that folks are going to be super interested in, which is terms of the loan. Um, like, I, And I know there's a range, but what sort of interest rates are you finding private lenders are excited about? What sorts of lengths of you know, how long is my money going to be out? Are there any points? Like, what what does all that look like right now? 
Yeah, you know, a lot of times these people, they don't even know what points are, so I don't bring that up either. I mean, we do. It's a percent of, of the deal. But um, but the uh, I pay three different ways. Let me start there. Is is one way is amortized the loan, pays down over time, mm-hmm. and that's around the 5% area on interest. Um, the next level is how I started out with my mom. I started out with simple interest only. That means if mom loans me $100,000, um, and I'm I, and I'm paying her six percent. You know that means I'm I'm taking the interest out. So a hundred thousand times six percent, six thousand dollars per year. Divide that by twelve months, you get how much money per month that that I will pay her in interest only. And that means when I sell the property, she gets all of her principal back mm-hmm. and any any interest that, that that have been built up. But but she gets all of her money back. So she really liked that. The other way that I've I've I really like is is uh, where I make no monthly payments and the lender gets paid when I get paid, which is when I sell the property, which when I buy, fix, and my intent is to sell, then I can do deals with no monthly payments. And what I found, Mina, is that if I uh, borrow money from somebody that has had a what I'll call a dormant 401k where they quit retired or gotten laid off, they can roll that money over into a self-directed IRA. And those people typically don't need monthly payments like my mom did. And so they're happy to, to get a higher rate of interest. Okay. So those people there, I would pay, since I have three different programs, I'd get seven or 8% with those people in this market. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's no monthly payments. And uh, you just got to be aware that you got to uh, not let that go too long because the interest is paying up over time and it could be a double-edged sword where here you've waited too long and, and you've got a, a big interest chunk that you got to pay. So this is for people that are buying, fixing, and intent to sell quickly. Okay, so the 5% from your perspective is for longer-term holds because yeah. it's actually paying down. Right, the six like an apartment complex, something like that. Okay, long term, yeah. So this then the six percent is for a shorter term loan, and what it does for you is it reduces your payments because it's interest only. There's no principal portion of the payments, and then the third one with the highest interest rate is for more of a more like a fix and flip. I'm I'm going to only going to use the money for six months. I'm going to let the interest build up because over six months it won't be awful. But over, so if y'all are thinking, oh, that's great, I should do that over five years, you need to calculate what you're going to owe at the end of five years because uh, it's right. going to be ugly. It's going to be, remember that you're not only paying interest, you're paying interest on the interest you didn't pay <laughs> every month. So um, now those those numbers that you threw out, Alan, have those changed over time? Like there have been yeah. sometimes when well, it's been higher and sometimes when it's been lower? Yeah. Yeah, what happened was back in when you and I was talking about the fourteen and fifteen percent. Um, along the way, the market shifted, and I got feedback from my private lenders that fifteen percent was too good to be true. So I lowered my rate to make them happy. Uh, normally, I get a laugh on that when I tell people. <laughs> that. So, but I, I lowered it to ten and twelve percent, and ten percent if it was like my mom, simple interest monthly monthly payments. Or 12% if they'd let the money accrue and they'd get paid when I got paid, which is when I sold the house. I I never thought that people would do the 12% because I, I always thought people would want payment plans like my mom. And in reality, it was a 50-50 split. Half the people would do the 10%, the other half would, would do 12 And then over the years, the market has shifted again 
and we got down to where you know four percent was good for amortizing and and five or six for, for my mom so yeah things shifted along along the way so the lesson here for listeners who always have the question how much do private lenders want is you know it's your business you 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 decide what the market calls for and what your deal calls for and you don't even you don't even have to offer everybody the same rate of interest you're not a bank you right. don't have some program that you don't have some book you got to open up and say oh well let's see this week we're paying x percent interest and we'll talk more about that topic when we get back from this break we'll be back right after this Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking today to Alan Cowgill about private lenders, kind of how they work, who who you should talk to first. I already already discussed that. If you're coming in late, you're going to have to listen to it in our archives at realliferealestate.com. Um, talked about how really, Alan, you set the terms. I mean, it's, yep. you say, they're set with, they're set by agreement. Let me say it that way. You and the, you and the other individual human being that you're working with decide between yourself what, what they're comfortable with, what they like. And then, of course, it also has to be what you're comfortable with and what you like. Right. Exactly. And I'll tell you what, uh, there, so many times they don't, they don't even make an offer. They're just happy with what I tell them. And, uh, that makes it really nice. And I, and I, it allows me to, to set the rules and, and move, move forward with it. Mm -hmm. The other thing I noticed that I, I, I want to share with everybody is that people that have money on bank CDs, like I was talking about with my mom, if they say they're going to loan you money, you get it 99% of the time. Um, uh, they're in because they're getting such a low, low rate of return. Uh, people that have money on an IRA or, or a dormant 401k that they can because they've quit retired or gotten laid off and they can roll that into a self-direct IRA, you're going to get that money nine out of 10 times been my experience. Um, and so uh, my point is when they say they're going to loan you money, um, you're, you're in a good shape because if it's a bank, bank CD, they're going to loan you the money. If it's the other way, 90% of the time, you're going to get the money mm -hmm. with uh, IRAs. So um I don't know if you've, you've experienced that, Mina, but that's that's what I've seen out there over the years. Yeah, the only once they so I usually like to talk to private lenders before I have a deal I need their money into. It, it, yeah. It's it's a little um, it's a little stress inducing, and also it's stress inducing on both sides to call somebody up that you haven't really had lunch with, talked through this with them, all that sort of stuff, and say I need the money by Friday. I just, you know, that, that feels really, that feels like high pressure. And, um, I do always like to have somebody who has said they would loan me the money. And then a second person that if the first person says, Oh man, I just, I know I said I'd do it, but I just made this other investment. And now I can't. Or every once in a while, you'll get one who will say, I don't like that particular property that I'm loaning the money against that I have a, I, I can say, Oh, nope, cool. No problem next time. And I have a second person that I can go to uh, when I actually have a deal that I need to get closed, you know? So yep. um, have you ever had any issues as I know you've been doing this a long, long time when you change what you're willing to offer. So uh, like uh, Vina has been loaning to you at 15% because it's the mid nineties and interest rates are 
eight and a half percent adjustable. And so 15% sounds like a good rate, but now it's 2020 and rates are down at 4% and you call Vina and say, yeah, I want to borrow your money, but now I'm paying eight instead of 15. Have you ever had anybody like want to quit lending to you at that point? Or Well, the, the people that, that, that do quit and it's, a, it's rare. The reason that they quit is because they've had a life change. Mm. And what's a life change? Well, they've got a child that wants to buy a house and they need a down payment. And so they'll pull money out from, from me and use it on a down payment or the child's getting ready to go to college uh, or there's a divorce. Uh, but it's rare. I mean, if, if you got, you know, in two years, that might be one person that takes their money out. The reason that they don't typically take their money out is because I'm the best deal in town. Where else are they going to put it? <laughs> yeah, like, where, exactly. Where you put it back in a bank CD for double O nothing. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. We're, we're, yeah. We're, we're, and, and the other thing I want to bring up while we're talking about this is trust. Private lenders loan you money based on the fact that they trust you. Have you found that out too? Yes. If they, if they don't yeah. trust you, you can offer them a hundred percent interest and they're not going to do it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's key, key to this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, mm -hmm. that's exactly right. So you're, you're way beyond the first national bank of mom stage. Yeah. As some of our, yeah. as some of our listeners will be when you are going out into the world to find non family friends, associates, kind of private lenders, who, who are you looking for and how do you go about opening the conversation with them? Well, if you're talking about strangers, um, there's some rules that come into play on that. Um, and so uh, you have to be aware of that. Uh, and, and it's the rules on um, the SEC requires us to uh, have a prior relationship with a, with a lender, which means we've known somebody for uh, a while, 30 days and three touches. Um, or we fill out some paperwork that they want us to, to use. And so, um, so just going out and asking strangers uh, is not the way to, to start out. Oh, so don't put on my Facebook page that I'm looking for a private loan and I'm willing to pay right. X percent interest. Right. People do that all the time and maybe they'll get away with it and, and life goes on. But uh, if they don't, then they're dancing with a grill and they could get in trouble, you know, with, with the government. So they, they just got to follow the rules. What happened to me was um, when I got started, I, I hired a, a, an attorney to research our state, you know, Ohio. And I, I didn't think that there was any rules. I thought it was a wild west from what I had heard from another uh, trainer. And I come to find out through that attorney that there is some rules. And so then I had him check all the states in the United States. And then I had him check Canada because I got students in Canada. And so uh, that's pretty expensive. And when he, when he got done, he, he's, called me up and he said, I want to thank you. I got the project done and I moved into my new house and you just bought it. Now <laughs> it's, it's not what you want to hear from anybody. Okay. That you paid for their house, but it gives you an indication that uh, the moral obligation dedication I had to my students out there that I got them the facts mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that I got them, what they, what they needed to know. Yeah. And so, you know, and unfortunately I, I, there's still a lot of trainers and uh, worse yet YouTube university folks who are acting like there are no rules. Right. And uh, we, we both know somebody who actually went to jail 
because there were rules that he wasn't following in regards to borrowing private money and more importantly, how to handle the private money. You mentioned earlier, you don't just let somebody hand you a check and say, go find a house to put this in. Right. And, and they'll do that because they trust you. Right. But you, you have to you have to follow the, the proper rules to make sure that the money is secured by real estate. Right. So absolutely do not believe that uh, that is that is true at all in any state in the United States. If you're going to go out and particularly talk to people that you're not already in a relationship with, as, as it were, uh, there are going to be rules that you have to follow. And they do vary state by state. Yes, that's that was the beautiful thing of, of my decision to have him research every single state. And so I can I can stand in any state and I can teach the folks exactly the rules within their state. And so that has been such a blessing out there for my students and myself, because I, I I'm not an attorney. I don't give legal advice, but I can teach it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it points people in the right direction, how they can have a successful real estate investment and be able to sleep at night. So we have two minutes left, Alan, and I'm going to go back to that question of once we once we understand what the rules are and we're out in the world, maybe maybe, you know, real estate associations are actually a pretty good place to look for private lenders because there's people with money Uh that they don't have deals to put in. What are you looking for? Like what would what would tell you after a conversation that somebody was a good potential private lender? Well, I, I use that little script before. You know, do you have higher investment capital? It's not currently earning a high rate of return. And if they say I'm broke, then we're done. If they say, well, I've, I've got, I've got some money. What are you talking about? Then I would, I would move into it, another script where I said, well, I'm a real estate investor in Springfield, Ohio. And at times I borrow money from folks just like you. I pay a high rate of return. Can I tell you more? And in saying that, then they would come back. And either ask me for more information so we could start a conversation so I could explain things like I've talked about here today um, on how the money's secured by real estate and all that. And so they, they know exactly that I've handled things professionally. Um, or if they want to think about it, then I, uh, I, I, the rule I have for myself and my, and my students is that uh, uh, you, you give them some, maybe some information or something and then, Seven days later, seven to ten days later, you call them up and see if they want to get involved. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I ask for money. I said, are you ready to get involved? That's the way I ask for money. So that's another little script that I use out there that makes a big difference mm-hmm. uh, where I'm not pushy on somebody. I just want them to see, ask them if they want to get involved and see what they have to say. And then we just go from there. But I don't chase them. After that, if they say, well, let me think about it, I don't, I don't go back and, uh, and chase them. Uh, just like I said, that one guy came back a year and a half later. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't push him. Mm-hmm. I, what I do, I look at this like this being, a, it's a numbers game. You go out and, and I think new people, they find somebody that, that uh, they think in the family has, has a big chunk of money and they chase that person and just keep hounding them. And I say, don't do that. Go out and start looking for other people and other people and other people. And sooner or later, somebody's going to say yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you need to get to the yes out there. Yep. And so you just keep keep asking other folks. Yeah, Get out there and practice. Um, Alan, unfortunately, we are out of time. And I had so many more things I wanted to ask you because I know that you you use private lenders to make up the difference in creative deals. You know, if you've got a subject yep. two, but it's going to require 50,000 down, that can come from a private lender. You use them. You use them for rehabs. You've got... Um, uh, 
I wanted to ask you about what if you you need 200 and one lender has 150 and the other one only has 50. What do you do in that situation? But unfortunately, yeah. we have run out of time. So I'm going to have to encourage people again to come see you at the 2022 National Real Estate Strategy Summit where you'll like physically be there. And you'll- oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I, I'm excited. You know, I'm, you had me come before years ago and, and I, I'm, I'm ecstatic. Yep, it, I can't wait. It is a, there. it is a wonderful event and the listeners can get more information about how to get signed up. It is incredibly inexpensive. As long as you can get yourself to Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, WMKVFM.org. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.